You're listening to That's the Industry Podcast, episode number 38. Today, you're going to learn how to be financially free in the entertainment industry. You're also going to learn the importance of knowing and understanding the roles of people in finance and where exactly to start. Here we go. You're listening to That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. The podcast that takes you inside all the aspects of the entertainment industry. Directly from the people who are making it happen. And now, your host, Thomas Jordan. What's going on, everyone? Thomas Jordan here with another episode. Today, we are talking to CEO and founder of IRC Wealth. He's also a certified financial planner. David Raglan, how's it going, buddy? It's going awesome. Now, how long have you been doing this? I have actually been doing this since I was eight years old. And people kind of laugh, but I had my first business mowing grass when I was eight years old. And so I did that. I worked at Chick-fil-A through high school and college at the bank a little bit in college and started my professional career after my master's degree at 21. So I've been in the financial services industry really since 1986. And what directed you towards finance? Great question. My dad was the smartest guy I knew, and he was a financial genius, and he worked for an insurance company, and he had four boys, and to get away from us at night, he studied the stock market. And so we didn't come to the dinner table unless we knew stocks and bonds and P.E. ratios and stuff like that. So it was a great environment to grow up in. And so I naturally had a gravitational pull to finance, but actually I was in 10th grade in high school, and I was in physics class. And after about the first 10 weeks of the class, I said, I can't handle physics. So I jumped over into accounting. So I actually started my career. I did two years worth of high school accounting in a year and a half. So I kind of knew I had something to do with numbers. And and that's and you already knew by hanging out with your dad that it was just kind of in your blood and you that was what you were going to do? Yeah, I kind of just saw numbers. Numbers came really, really easy to me. And the thought about, you know, how to grow your wealth and keep it simple and those type of things. I, you know, I graduated and at 21 and, you know, half kidding, but, you know, I, I never went to spring break. You know, I, I worked through college and I worked in high school and I mowed grass as a kid. And I said, you know, I don't want to work the rest of my life. I want to be financially free by the time I was 40. And at 38, I got there. And so really, my passion today is helping people out there for them to become financially free. Anybody can do it. We always say it's simple, just not easy. And when you say at 38, did you have a number that you wanted to hit? Is that kind of your goal? And then you kind of reverse engineer and work backwards from there? Exactly. I mean, really, we started with that number, the whole reverse engineering. And I was lucky enough to marry a beautiful bride, and she just happens to be a PhD in psychology. And so we've not only added the number, but also looking at your best life. I mean, really painting the picture of how you want to live your life. And we always talk about numbers are great to have, but it doesn't create the emotional drive. And the example I always give to people is last summer, I really wanted to go biking in the Swiss and French Alps. And but I knew I was overweight. I was overweight about 10, 15 pounds. And I said I was 165 pounds at the time. And I knew I was going to suffer on the hills 
being that overweight. And so I knew that at 150, I would have a whole lot better time because that power to weight ratio really hurts when you're going up a mountain and you're overweight. So I locked in on a number, but really what I was locking in on was that vision of having a spectacular ride. And I think people look at that if we can associate painting a picture of what they want their life to be. And part of that is the financial concept of, hey, I want to be financially free. Why? And if we have the emotional driver and use the numbers as a guidepost or a roadmap to get there, it works better. To get to that number, was it multitude of things, whether that's stocks, bonds, real estate, like what are what were the streams, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, great. So I started off as an accountant. And I worked for one of the large accounting firms. And so I started putting money into a 401k plan at the time. And so what we did was, or what I did was I made all the mistakes you possibly could. So when people say, well, what were you into? I did everything right? I did hedge funds. I did commodity trading. I did stocks. I did bonds. I did real estate. I did startup companies. I did it all. And for me, what I figured out pretty quickly was a lot of these things I'm not very good at. And I might not be the smartest guy in the room, but I knew when to stop doing the things that I was losing money on. So for me, I gravitated to investing in the stock market long term and really got out of the things that I wasn't really good at from an investing standpoint. And so that way, taking my experience, then I was able to construct an, a long term strategy that included stocks little bit of bonds, but an overall arching goal of what number I needed to be at. And how long does it take to learn something like that? Because I'll be honest with you, just being I'm more of the creative type when I see numbers, I'm already ADHD and dyslexic. So I'm just like, uh, what's going on? Well, I think that's a great question. And that's the question we get all the time from people. And we believe our firm believes in three core principles is is that our culture is based upon number one education we believe the more that someone knows about their money the better decisions they can make okay and number two is is that you have to have a plan and number three it has to be simple okay so creating long-term wealth is like baking a cake we talk to our clients we're not asking our clients to actually bake the cake we're asking them to understand how the cake is baked. So what we're always talking about with clients is, is that you do you. You focus on what you're really, really good at. Okay. Then come up with, hey, what's my financial destination? And then either do it yourself or work with someone that you can trust to create a simple plan that can create simple to-do lists that you can execute. You know, I wrote two books. One was called Wealth Made Simple. The other book is called Retirement Made Simple. Okay. Becoming financially free, we say it's simple, just not easy. It's simple because all you have to do is, number one, know where you're going, have a timeline, and follow three or four simple rules, which is, you know, spend less than you make, save a little bit every month or every year, get out of debt over time, and always make sure you have an emergency safety amount of cash. Okay, it's simple. That's 20% of the equation. The other 80% of the equation is emotion. 
Okay, it's emotion that gets in the way because emotion drives decision making. Okay, and really, when you look at someone who's financially successful or not necessarily financially successful, it's either a series of good decisions or a series of poor decisions. Okay, I never said perfect decisions. Okay, we all make mistakes. But if we sit there and line up a series of good decisions and build those good decisions slowly but surely over time, we all can be financially free. The trouble that we live in today is it's a 26 character world, right? Everybody wants it immediately. The word patience is not even in the dictionary anymore. And so what we try to do is, is to not only create a goal, but also update that goal every six months. And I always keep it simple, stupid uh, spreadsheet for me, right? You know, I, every six months, I just line up all of my accounts into a spreadsheet. Okay. And every six months I'm looking at them and I'm hoping, not hoping, but those numbers are growing. My assets are growing over time. And I have another spreadsheet that tracks my debt and that, that my debt is going down over time. And again, back to the 80%. If six months after six months after six months, you're seeing small progress on your growth of your assets, what do you tend to do? You tend to do more of those good things. And if you see your debt going down, you continue to pay your debt off. Okay. And so what we want is we want the emotional positive feedback loop. Too many times people get focused on the negative when it comes to finances. That's hard. I don't understand it. I'm not making any progress. And so those negative thoughts get in their way of really becoming a superstar everybody can become a superstar. How important is it to, whether you understand it or not, that you really do need to understand your numbers? I, I think you need to see the numbers growing. Okay. I think the challenge that's out there now is what we hear all the time when an independent contractor or small business person comes to us is they believe that their accountant is their financial planner, or they believe that their financial planner is their accountant. The investment advisor, the financial planner, the accountant, the insurance manager, the banker, right? They're all different people. And if they're all singing off of different hymns, then the song is not going to be very beautiful. So what you want to understand is build a coordinated team of professionals that you're working at and understand what each professional does. Your CPA is there to file your tax return. They're not really there to give you financial planning advice. An investment advisor may be solely looking at your investments. Okay. Create a more overarching plan first. Okay. That's one of the things that we try to do for our clients because I was a CPA in a past life. I was a tax preparer in a tax life. What we're trying to integrate is, okay, I'm an independent contractor. Should I be an LLC? Yes, maybe. Should I elect S-Corp? How does that help me to reduce my payroll? Tax? How much payroll should I take versus how much in profit distribution should I take? How does that integrate into how much I can put into a retirement plan? What's the best retirement plan for me? How do I then take those assets in the retirement plan? How should I invest those? See, there's a lot of different pieces. It's a jigsaw puzzle. 
You want to make sure that you have all the pieces and not only all the pieces, but the pieces are fitting together properly. So after you understand what everybody does, which I think is super important because a couple of those, like the accounting person is not your investment person and CPA, like they all have super different roles. So it's very important to build that team. But I feel like some people, myself included, what if, you know, whether they be independent contractors or small business owners, we feel that we don't have enough money to do something like that or to invest or come to you or, you know, I don't know what your rate is or what, you know, where do you basically even start and what, what amount? That's a great question. So one of the things that we do is we have free resources on our website. We have a free resource on how to set up your LLC. We have a free resources on here's how you can build a retirement plan system that works together. Okay. So you're looking for good information, number one. And number two is for us, we never saw a client as how much money they have today. Okay. It's about how we can build wealth together. Okay. So I've started with people with zero that today have several million dollars. I've started with people with 200,000 that have millions of dollars today. We have to look at the great thing about money is this money grows over time. You look at yourself. What are your two most important financial assets? People normally, it's my $10,000 IRA account or it's my car. Your most important financial asset are two. Number one, yourself. Look at your earnings power. Let's say that you're an independent contractor. You're 30 years old. And I'm just going to use a number that's easy to multiply. You're making $100,000 a year. And you're going to be working from age 30 to age 65. Well, 35 times 100,000, that's $3.5 million. That's a whole lot more valuable than a car or a $10,000 IRA account. That's number one. The second real benefit that you have is time. Okay. The great thing about time is it allows money to grow. So let's go back to that same example. If you assume that assets grow at an annualized rate of 7%, if you had $100,000 today and you're 30 years old and you didn't put any more money into that account, that money's going to grow three and a half times. It's going to double three and a half times. So $100,000 goes from 100 to 2, 2 to 4, 4 to 8, and 800000 to $1.2 million without putting another dime into the account. So your assets, that's the first thing that you need to recognize is how valuable you are and how valuable time is on your side. Because you put $100,000 into the account, but time gave you $1.1 million. And you can think about it the same way. If I put in $10,000 a year for the next 30 years, you know, I put in $600,000. I don't have my calculator here in front of me, but that $600,000 that $600, worth of contributions could be worth two and a half, three and a half million dollars because it grows over time. Is one of the worst things you can do to just like if you had that money to just sit on it and not do anything with it, just basically save it and like hoard it, if you will? Yeah, it's a great question. So I always talk to people and you have a beautiful head of hair. And so when I graduated from college, I had the same beautiful head of hair that you did. 
And so it was a couple of years ago, you know, I'm sitting in Italy, the sun is setting, and I probably had too much fine Brunello wine to drink. And I finally look up and I say, it's now time to shave my head. Because by then, I'd slowly but surely lost all my hair. I came back to my hairstylist. Funny story, right? And I said, cut it really short because I'm never coming back. And he looked at me kind of crazy and I went home and shaved my head. You know, inflation is just like hair loss. You know, sure, after five years out of college or 10 years out of college, I could turn the light down in the bathroom mirror or I could turn my head so I could still convince myself I had hair. But it's not until too late that I finally realize it's time to shave my head. You know, inflation is the same thing when it comes to our money. You know, inflation is the slow erosion of your purchasing power because it cost of goods, whether it's shampoo or milk, goes up a little bit every day or a little bit every month. And we don't ever realize that slow erosion of every dollar's purchasing power. It just milk just seems to be more expensive until it's too late. Because remember, at a even at a 3% inflation rate, which is a little high for today, we've been running really low inflation, but at some point in time in the future, inflation will come back. But using 3%, you almost need twice as many dollars 20 years from now to buy the goods that you're buying today. So if you're spending $5,000 a month on rent and utilities and food and entertainment, just to live the exact same lifestyle, you're going to eat 10000 Okay, that's a, the impact of inflation. So, yes, you have to look at, you know, your money as a growth vehicle. Okay, I always used to make fun of the, the story as I said, well, my business used to be a lot easier. You retired at 60 and you were dead at 62. You know, you didn't have to worry about inflation, right? And we could use the old methodology of money and saying, we're just going to put a bunch of hay up into the barn, hay being our barn, and hope, you know, in, in, in quotes, that we don't run out of money over time, right? And hope that we die before we run out of money. Well, we have to change the tune because we're living so much longer, right? We have to think of money as an orange, okay? So every day... You can take an orange and you can eat it and it's gone. Or you can take the orange, take some of the seeds out of the orange, plant them in your backyard, water, fertilize them. And 10 years later, what do you have in your backyard? You have an orange grove, right? And so I love oranges. My mom was from Florida. That's where it all comes from, right? And so if I love to spend money, I can go out and eat all the oranges. I can spend all the money this year. But even if I eat all the oranges this year, what happens next year? Well, the oranges come back. So we need to look at our money as we're creating a huge orange growth that we will eventually start using the oranges or the cash flow production off the assets to live off of at some point in time. We need to change the lingo. It's not retirement. It's about financial freedom. But we also need to change the analysis of it's not my assets on my Charles Schwab statement. You know, I don't go to Whole Foods and get in the checkout line and they say, well, that's three hundred dollars. You know, I'm going to Whole Foods, unfortunately, it would have been a whole lot less. I don't go, hey, here's my Charles Schwab statement. Look at all my assets. They just kind of look at me and laugh as an old man. Right. What they want is cash. 
we have to change the conversation from assets, which are important, but also what's the cash flow that's being created from our assets? That's what really unlocks the door to being financially free. And for people who are listening, who, like I said, it's a more so geared towards the entertainment industry, but I love this because it applies to anybody, but a lot of us are independent contractors. Um, so where would you recommend that we start? Yeah. Okay. So independent contractors, the best thing that you have is you are an independent contractor. Okay. You have to recognize that's the best thing that you have because independent contractors have huge opportunities to make a higher rate, higher daily rate than someone who's a salary. Number one. Number two is they have more flexibility as to, you know, the taxation of their dollars. Okay. So if you recognize I'm in a great spot, where do I start? Well, the first thing that you start off is what type of entity do I want to be? Do I want to be a sole proprietor and have my all my income show up on the Schedule C of your income tax return? Do I want to form an LLC, which still all your income shows up on the Schedule C, but at least you have some limited liability just in case something goes wrong in your business? Then if you're an LLC, then you can elect to be taxed as what's called an S-corporation. You do have to file a separate tax return. Then the fun really begins because then you get to start deciding how much of your net income is actual payroll, which is still subject to payroll taxes and self-employment taxes. And But part of it can be subject to what's called a distribution, which payroll taxes don't apply to. Okay, so the first aha moment, can I save some of those self-employment taxes, right? Then when I sit there and save some payroll taxes, what do I do with those payroll taxes? Well, I can set up my own 401k plan. And so I take my payroll tax savings and I put it into a retirement plan. Then what happens? I then create a tax deduction which then reduces my income taxes. What do I do with the savings of the income taxes? I take the savings from the income taxes and put that into my retirement plan. Creates another deduction. So it's this nice circle effect, right? I can continue to put money in, put money in, put money in. And it all started just because I set up a better way to be taxed on my payroll taxes. Okay. And then as you slowly grow your business, keeping your lifestyle consistent, right? I just take that extra money and do what with it? Put it in my retirement plan and I don't have to pay taxes. Okay. And then let's say I'm going from making $100,000 a year. And now I'm very successful. I'm an art director, I'm a producer, I'm a director. Now I'm making three or $400,000 a year, but I've kept my lifestyle the same. And I bump up against the annual limits of retirement contributions, which is for this year, 57,000. Oh, but I want to put more away. Okay, you can, you can set up what's called a personal pension plan. So there are all these steps that you go through slowly but surely, and again, you don't have to start at the top, okay? You can start at the absolute bottom, okay? And slowly, step by step by step, and we're working on a guide right now that says, okay, here's how you actually run a small business, okay? Which will apply to small business owners and independent contractors alike. But for right now, we have two separate guides that anybody can download that tells them all about the LLC and how to do it. 
and it tells them all about these retirement programs that I just talked about. And it's free. So where do you start? Start with some free good information. Where can we get that information real quick? So our website is ircwealth.com. And just go to the resources tab page and you can download those. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm going to put those uh, the link in the description because I think those would be super valuable. Uh, as far as independent contractors go, uh, what are what are some of the biggest mistakes you can make as an independent contractor? That's a great question. First of all, uh, if you're an independent contractor, keep good records. Make it easy on yourself. Set up a separate bank account for your business. Get a separate credit card or debit card for your business. One of the biggest things that the IRS uh, doesn't like is when you commingle personal money and business money. Okay, that's the biggest red flag for the IRS. So shouldn't cost you maybe $5 a month, maybe nothing to have a separate checking account. And then you can get a no fee credit card. That's the first place to start to keep your records safe. So the biggest mistake I see, bad record keeping. The second biggest mistake that I see is, is that this money comes in and we don't put anything away for taxes. Okay, so I might be making $10,000 a month and I feel rich right? And then I just, I failed to realize that there's not only income taxes, but payroll taxes. And so your tax liability as a sole proprietor can be pretty large. And so all of a sudden it gets to the end of the year and you've got a $30,000 tax liability and you look at your account and we've got 10 or $15,000 and it's the biggest snowball. Okay, I pay what I can pay on April 15th, but it's not the entire liability. So now I've underpaid my taxes by $10,000. So what do I get from the IRS? A friendly love note that says, hey, you forgot to pay your extra 10000 Now you have a failure to file penalty, meaning your extension is not necessarily valid. You have a failure to pay penalty, and we're going to charge you interest until you get it all paid off. So now you're working in the next year and all of your gross receipts, you're trying to pay off last year's taxes and you don't save enough for this year's taxes and the thing just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. So not putting money aside to pay your taxes because, you know, like you said, I'm a creative guy. I'm not, I'm an independent contractor. It's overkill. I know it's overkill, but I talk to my startup independent contractors about saying, put 40 cents of every dollar into a tax account. Even if you don't use all of it, that way you're, you're budgeting automatically, right? People come to me all the time and say, what's the best way to save? 401k plan. Why? Because you never see it, it never hits your checking account right? You know, if you're, a, if you're working for the, uh, a company and they take out federal and state taxes and payroll taxes, but they also take you out your 401k contribution. I, I had a gentleman uh, roll over $2.8 million uh, last year from his 401k plan. And I knew the answer to the question. I said, wow, how did you accumulate so much money? He goes, I never saw it. And so I never felt it. Remember the, the equation to be financially successful, 20% financial. That's the easy part. It's the 80% is the emotional piece. And what would you say the percentage was again? If like, let's just say uh, you made a thousand bucks a month. Uh, if it were me, I'd put 
$400 out of that $1,000, assuming you don't have any ex expenses directly. If you're just a independent contractor servicer, you're just providing services, then I would put 40% away for taxes in, in its entirety. That way you have a little bit extra. Oh, that, and that little bit extra at the end of the year, you might be able to fund a little bit of a retirement account, okay, which is going to reduce your taxes. Okay. It's not only saving for taxes and making sure you don't go down a bad path, but it's also giving you a little bit extra that maybe you can put away into a retirement plan. Because remember, a lot of the retirement plans that are available for independent contractors, you can fund the next year, but count the deduction in this year. Okay, so let's say that I get to the end of the year, it's 2020, and I go to my accountant and, I, and I've made 100000 I've put $40,000 away, and my tax bill is $30,000, I can take that extra 10000 even though I'm in January of 2021, I can put that into a retirement account and count it as in putting in in 2020, and my $30,000 tax liability just went down to 23 or 24 or 25. So it's almost like a twofer. It's almost a two for one. Yeah. Interesting. I guess I just never even thought of it like that, but that I feel like that's definitely super helpful. And with uh, taxes as well as a uh, independent contractor, I know that you, instead of once a year, it's quarterly, I believe with LLCs. Yeah, so you're getting into estimated tax payments. And so the IRS does want their estimated taxes uh, quarterly, but the quarterly system is, is a little bit wonky because first quarter is April 15th, second quarter is June 15th, October 15th, and Jan January 15th. So it's not an even quarterly system. So again, it's more, more you know about your money, put those dates on your calendar to make sure that you send in your estimated taxes, both federal and state. So do the quarterly every time, don't ever get stuck, don't ever get caught in that snowball? That's right. That's right. If you're saving along the way, what we know, uh, the data that we've seen and the practical data that we've seen from people is people will adjust their lifestyle based upon however much they have in their checking account. So one of the things, you know, if you have 600, you know, back to the you're saving 30 percent, I'm saving 40. If you're making a thousand dollars a month, if you have 700 most people are going to spend the 700 If you have 600 they're going to spend the 600 but not the additional $100. We get used to what we become accustomed to. One of the challenges in building wealth is, you know, what I always say is, is that income or expenses match income. And as our income goes up, our lifestyle goes up, our income goes up, our lifestyle goes up. Just because it's in the checking account. You know, one of the keys to building wealth, again, is understanding what you like in your life. Okay, what really drives happiness goes back to, you know, painting the picture. You know, when I started on my desire, I wanted to be free. Okay, a lot of people get up every day. They get up, they go to work, they come home, they kiss their dog, they go to bed. They get up, they go to work, they go home, and they're on a treadmill. Okay, they believe that they're in control of their life because they get to decide whether they're going to eat at Chipotle or Chick-fil-A. That's not freedom. Okay, freedom is knowing that you have enough money coming in cash flow. Remember, you have enough oranges being grown on your tree that you don't have to work. Okay, I'm 56 years old. 
Okay. I don't work. What I do is I have a business that helps people. I do it because I generally want to help people. I mean, I really want to be a rock star. I mean, I'm better looking than Mick Jagger. I know my moves are bigger, better than Mick Jagger. My only problem is I can't sing. So I do, you know, the next best thing. I want to give back to people. So let's talk about having a plan, painting the picture. We always talk about when we talk to new clients, you know, a lot of people walk in the door and they say, I need you to allocate my 401k plan. I say, well, I can't do that. And they say, well, I thought you were the financial genius. And I look back at them and I go, I am the financial genius. Well, why can't you do it then, they say. I don't know where you're going. Okay. Before I have a conversation of, you know, let's paint a picture. Where are you going? How satisfied are you with your life? What's your emotional satisfaction in the life that you're living on a scale of 1 to 10? And we spend a lot of time just talking about that. Because if we know the destination, then we can create a roadmap to get there. I always talk to people and say, I'm going to pay for your next vacation. Go home and pack. And you're excited. You jump up. I mean, we didn't even finish the interview. You jumped up. You ran home and you grab a suitcase out. And you open it up and you start, well, am I going to the beach? Or am I going snow skiing? And you go, well, I don't know. So you have to pack both, right? You have to pack clothes for the beach and clothes for the mountain. So you overpack or you pack very inefficiently, okay? That's what people do when it comes to their finances. You know, they walk in, should I be an LLC? I don't know. Should I be an escort? I don't know. Because we know, if we know the destination, I'm going to Miami, Okay. I know I'm going to go in December. I know I'm going to go by the car. I know I'm going to drive south on 75. Then I have a roadmap, a simple roadmap, and I can check in along the way. But I know my destination, what I want is to be sitting on the beach, watching the sunset in December. Okay, so I've painted a beautiful picture because the decider, the quarterback, of your financial success is not me, it's you. I'm simply the coach, right? You're the decider. You're the person who has to decide, you know, am I going to spend that money on that 18th pair of shoes or am I going to put it into my retirement plan? Okay. I had this person come in and they had a huge closet of shoes. Fantastic. They were all great. You know, put them out. I was like, oh my God, those are fantastic. And this person said, I'll work with you, but I'm not giving up my shoes. And I'm like, I'm not asking you to give up any shoes. And they said, okay. And so we worked together, and about three years later, this person walks in and says, check out this pair of shoes. I said, those are fantastic. They said, it's the last pair of shoes I bought. It was eight months ago. Well, this is a person that used to buy a pair of shoes every month. Why did they change? Well, they changed because they got the education. They saw how their purchases were impacting their financial future. And they got tired of working for the man. They got tired of always having to say yes, always having to stay late. And they wanted it to become financially free sooner rather than later. Okay, Financial freedom is just a balancing act. Now, I tell everybody, extreme diets don't work. Okay. 
you know, we all January 1st is going to roll upon us, right? What are we all going to do? We're going to do a 30 day cleanse and we're going to give up chocolate and wine and wine and cheese and everything else, right? And by about day 10 or 15 or 18, what's happening? We've given it up, right? We've given it up because we feel deprived. We feel deprived. So we need to make a financial plan and journey where we can still, we can plan for the future, but still live for today. We have to balance the two so that we, uh, we're having fun along the way. I mean, I used to be 75 pounds overweight. I mean, I, I, I'm a somewhat of a short guy. I'm 5'9". I was 225. I mean, it was huge, you know, for me. My body frame can't take that amount of weight. I saw myself in the mirror and said, that's not what I want to be. This is who I want to be. It was a picture, remember, drawing the picture. And so I didn't go on a crash diet. I changed my lifestyle, which meant better sleep, better nutrition, started walking, then I started running, then I started swimming and biking. Okay. It became a lifestyle. I did 22 Ironman, you know, because it was a lifestyle. It didn't feel, I mean, biking 100 miles wasn't a big deal because I loved doing it. It didn't feel like drudgery. We need to make sure that our planning for the future and our saving for the future doesn't come at a, at a huge cost that we may feel deprived. Let's not glaze over. You did how many now? What was that? I did uh, 22 Ironman. And the Ironman is what? It's the super, super hard one, right? Yeah, it's 2.4 mile swim. 112 mile bike ride, and then you get to end it all off with a 26.2 mile marathon, just just for fun. I have bad knees, and my knees hurt just thinking about that. That's crazy, man. <laughs> God. But yeah, I just didn't want to glaze over that. What drove you to start doing that? Well, I was uh, actually looking at a photo back in the day in the 1996 Olympics were in Atlanta. You remember you had the photo booths? You're too young to remember that in the park. No, I remember those. All right, there you go. So you would take your little camera, you know, your pocket camera of film, and you'd take it to the photo mat, right? And we had taken all these photos, and we were at a family gathering, and we were flipping through all of the photographs, and I saw myself in that picture. And I was just like, that's not me. You know, I was so overweight at, at the time. And I, my face was puffy and I started to lose my hair. And I was just like, you know, in the mirror, you know, life happens so slowly, just like inflation, right? You don't notice the pound here, the pound there, or a couple of strands of hair that go. But when it hits you in the face in a photo, and I just said, I've I got to change my life. That I didn't immediately jump into Iron Man. But what I said to myself was that's not me and that's not the person I want to be okay and so you know I started studying and at that point in time as they say you know when the when the student is ready the coach will appear and a gentleman appeared to me he was a nutritionist and an athlete and kind of gave me just simple tips that's where the whole simple came from right he didn't say here's a list of four thousand things that you have to do he said just try these three things and I tried those three things and went back to him and said, yeah, I like this. I'm feeling better. He goes, well, here's two more. Try these. And so over a span of about 12 months, I changed about 22 things in my diet and in my exercise routine. But it never felt overwhelming. And I think that's the challenge when it comes to financial planning and financial freedom. It feels overwhelming to us. You know, you're a creative guy. Okay. 
I love to sing, but I can't. You know, I, I sang happy birthday to a buddy of mine, and he said, just stop. And so, you know, from that standpoint, it's, you know, you don't have to go from zero to 100 in your education. You don't have to go from zero to rich. I always say, nobody gets rich overnight. They only get poor, right? They go to Vegas or they make bad investments. You get wealthy over time, and your education is slow and steady, right? Just take up one of the reasons we only talk to clients in our meetings for only 55 minutes is because at that point in time, their eyes are about to roll back in the back of their head. They can only, you know, process so much information. And so what we do is we recognize people are human. People get overwhelmed. So let's start in a very methodical, slow pace. Let's give them simple concepts using examples that they can build on. Okay. You don't build a house in one day, right? You first grade the land, then you pour the foundation, let the foundation dry, right? Then you put up the lumber, those type of things. I'm not a builder either. It's just my analogy, right? So it's slow and steady uh, wins the race. And I'll be honest, it is a little overwhelming because like I understand and have heard of a lot of what you're talking about and you make it sound so easy, but even just saying like, or just learning the names. Like I know it's CPA. I know he takes care of my taxes, but when you really hit me, when you're like, you know, people get them mixed up because I've asked him for other stuff before. And he's like, I don't, that's not my area. But even your title, the certified financial planner, I don't even know what that means. Well, and I think that's great. And you know, my background's a little bit unique because A, I grew up with it, number one. Number two is I have an accounting background. I was a certified public accountant. I prepared tax returns. Then I was a CFO for small businesses, chief financial officer. Then I went into financial planning. So, you know, I've kind of been sprinkled into a lot of different fields uh, into one basic format. And so for us, what we're trying to do is to bring all those different concepts you know, kind of together into a financial plan. And so that's why we talk to people right up front and say, hey, look, just we're happy to help, okay? You don't have to use us long-term, okay? You don't even have to use us. That's why we give the information away. But we're happy to help people and walk them through, you know, the process. And then, but, you know, a certified financial planner, to ask your question, is looking at the individual person and creating a wealth development plan for them. Okay. What's a little bit of a nuance for us is, is that we're integrating the business component, which is not always discussed by certified financial planners because certified financial planners are really primarily focusing on the individual plan. Okay, and they do a fantastic job with the individual plan. I'm just lucky in that, you know, I have been an accountant, I have a tax background, I have worked with businesses, I, you know, again, I was a CFO, two of the businesses I work with in a prior life were on the Inc. 500 fastest growing company list. And so I saw from an experience standpoint what it takes to run a business. So what we're trying to do is blend all those aspects into one. So like, let's just say you're putting away all this money, yada, yada, yada. But then it's like to grow it, we would talk to you and you would kind of 
coach us towards investments or just like what where you can put your money because like if I don't understand I want people to do it for me like I'm hiring you and I trust you to do it is that okay yeah so what we do for clients is we are happy to help develop a financial plan for them which integrates the independent contractor aspects okay and you can pay us per hour to help you do that we call it you know, buying by the drink, you know, along the way. And for some clients, they say, hey, I want you to take the next step and actually manage these assets, invest those assets for us. And we do that as well for clients. For somebody to take you on on a part-time or full-time basis, is there a number that their business needs to be generating a year? What we find is, is that you know, for an independent contractor, if their business is generating anywhere north of $150,000 a year, they can benefit from what we do, whether it's one hour or two hours here or a long-term relationship. So would you say realistically to see some like serious gains at minimum 150? Yeah, I think that that's a good uh, benchmark. I've always had this philosophy when it comes to people. We're about working with people, smart people who want to go somewhere, okay? I'm less worried about where someone is today. I'm rather concerned about where they're going tomorrow, okay? And so we're about building wealth, okay? Yeah, $150,000, we're going to create value right out of the gate for that person, but we're also looking at that person and saying, we're hoping that they're going to grow their assets, but we're hoping they're going to grow their business, okay? Because, again, we this is basic, simple math. Let's say that you're grossing $150,000, and between taxes and living expenses, you're left with $20,000 a year. It's a great start, right? But if you start making $200,000 a year, and you keep your living expenses the same, your taxes may go up a little bit, but you're left with $50,000 a year, extreme example I know, it's a whole lot easier to become financially successful, right, if you make more money, if you keep your expenses the same. And I've always been the guy who's, I'm transparent, and I'm going to be nice, but I'm going to say, hey, you're now grossing $200,000, and you're just, your lifestyle is growing, that's going to impede you from being financially free. We're looking for the, for the people, our best client, someone who wants to learn, someone who wants to grow, someone who wants to be financially free. Those are the people and someone who sees us as a valuable member of their team. Okay. You know, if someone can do it themselves, that's great. They should do it themselves. There's plenty of information out there to do it yourself. And I applaud everybody who wants to do it themselves. We're here to help the people that want help. And 150, that sounds great. Like, I would love to be at that level. But for a lot of people, they are sub 100,000, sub 50,000. So what would you say to those people? So I think for those people, uh, number one is is that that's why we have the free resource guides, two different free resource guides that are there. And they can use that. Uh, They can also setting up a for uh, individual 401k, you know, Vanguard, Fidelity, Schwab, they have great resources. 
and using those that information, they can use that information with the accountant that they're already using. Two, I've written two different books uh, on individual wealth building. Number one is called Wealth Made Simple. Okay, I always joke, it took me five years to write, it'll take you 10 minutes to read. Gives you the basic principles about building wealth. Hey, you're a little bit older in life. I had some people come back and say, well, these basic principles are great, but what are the real things I need to do as I approach retirement? Okay, so I spent three years writing a second book. It's called Retirement Made Simple. Now, these books aren't mathematically intense or financially intense. They're basic guides to help you down the journey of success. You get either one of them on Amazon.com. And they're simple. They're not time consuming to read. And they were written for that person who, hey, maybe maybe they have a side hustle. Maybe they got this $50,000. And they need the concepts. That's what the books are. And then they need some details. That's what the free resources guides are. And with those four pieces of information, they could take those four pieces of information and go to their account and say, hey, maybe I can use some help. Okay. And maybe they have someone else in their life who is, you know, financially uh, spends more time in financing. Ask a friend for advice. Okay. Uh, I think uh, that's also a great resource for people. And one more time, uh, where can we find this stuff? Uh, on the resource guide on our website, it's ircwealth.com. And you can get our books on this small website. It's called amazon.com. <laughs> Just get it. I could talk to you about this forever, but once again, I want to be respectful of your time. But what would you say the best piece of financial advice is that no one really talks about? Wow, that's a great question. The best piece of advice is our equation. It's 20% financial, it's 80% emotional. It's decision-making, okay? There are a thousand great websites. There's a thousand great authors. There's more YouTube videos out there than you can shake a stick at. And they're all tactical in nature, okay? Open this IRA, open this 401k, have this uh, financial plan. Here's a tax strategy for you. They're all tactical, but again, you're on this journey. You're trying to figure out where you're going, okay? You need to know where you're going, and a lot of that has to do with your emotions and how I see myself in the future. And then with that, you understand it's a process. It's a series of decision-making. You know, we were talking about a lot of clients. We've been through this pandemic, right? And there's stress. And the first level of stress with this bear market came from the lockdown, but the second level of stress, I even higher level of stress came when the lockdowns went away. And so now we're having to make decisions. Who do I interact with? Do I shake his hand? Do I go to the grocery store? Didn't, do I send my children back to school? And so you have all these underlying stresses that you may be aware of, but you may not be aware of. And if you're not aware of that stress, and how that stress impacts your decision-making. If the market goes down, I sell out at a bad time. Or I spend more money and I forget about my tax savings accounts and those types of things. So understanding how emotion 
plays, how stress plays into our emotion, which plays into our decision making. That, I believe, is more crucial than anything. I always talk to people, why is Warren Buffett so rich? Why is Warren Buffett so rich? Uh, <laughs> well, I know it's, it's, I think it's a known fact that he doesn't live beyond his means. I think he's still driving a Toyota Corolla from back in the day, and I don't think he, I don't think he has that big of a house either. Oh, I'm sure he does, but um, I've heard that he doesn't live beyond his means. I, I would say that's part of it, but one of the reasons is he's so old. He's into his 90s, right? His compound interest. And I can't remember where I read it, but something like uh, 80% or 70% of his wealth has come from the time since he's been 65. Okay. You know, he's accumulating wealth upon wealth upon wealth upon wealth. The earlier you start, the faster you're going to get there. The earlier you start, time is your asset. The earlier you start, you allow compound interest to be your friend. Okay. And I was just lucky to the extent that I want, I started when I was really young. When I was 21, I said, I want to be financially free. That's really what kicked out the process and allowing time. Even though I made all these bad decisions, or I learned from them. And real quick, I just thought of this, like because you said Warren Buffett is in his 90s. When is enough enough? Why am I still doing what I'm doing? Okay. And I live by this motto... Maybe I could have a bigger car, bigger, better house, and all these other things. But I live my life in three words. Healthy. I want to eat healthy. I want healthy relationships with my wife and daughter. I want to work with great people. I want a positive output in life. Healthy. Two, I want to be experiential. I want to go and do and try things and go to different places, try different foods. But number three is I want to be helpful. Okay. I do what I do because I want to be helpful. Am I still earning a wage? Yes. And studies have shown that, you know, a lot of times men don't do very well when they completely retire. So I don't think it's for him a matter of continuously accumulating assets because 99, 95% of his wealth is going to charity. He's doing it because he loves what he does. And it kind of goes back to the question I always ask people. And why we're planning. We're not planning to get you to a point where you don't do anything. We're planning to get you to a point so you don't have to do anything. And your life changes. Two biggest things that happen in my world financially. Number one, becoming debt free. Knowing that they could never take my car or my house. The emotional feeling and the emotional rush I get every day from that feeling just crushes, you know, buying a new car that buying a new car goes away in a month or a week when it gets scratched, right? But the feeling the emotional high that I get from not having any debt, I get it every day. And then when I was financially free, I had enough money coming in where I didn't have to work. I don't have to get up. I don't have to take that client. Okay. And knowing that you don't have to you come even more passionate about what you're doing. And you, and you want to give back. And so when is enough enough? For some people, I don't know. But I think for a lot of people, you know, once they hit a certain point, they're doing it because it's fun. 
All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I would love your help. This podcast is brand new, so I need all the help I can get. If you would, just subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating. I really, really would appreciate it. And last but not least, I got a little something for you. For the last 10 years, I have been writing, shooting, producing, editing my own video to get my dream job as an entertainment reporter in Los Angeles interviewing the stars. Now, that might not be your dream, but if you are in this industry and you are in this field, you are going to need to learn how to write, shoot, and edit, produce your own content. And now I want to personally train you on these skills so you can create your own journey and make money while doing so. So what I want you to do now is log on to Facebook and request to be in my private Facebook group, On Camera Professionals. Once again, it is called On Camera Professionals. But wait, Thomas, I really like your stuff. I really want to learn from you, but I don't want to be on camera. Don't worry. I got you covered. In this group, I'm going to be doing a live training, so that means live tips and tricks. I'm going to do giveaways, freebies, and I'm also going to do personalized training. So once again, log on to Facebook and type in On Camera Professionals, and I'll see you there.